0: The Dancepreneuring Studio Session 55 Leaving a Legacy While Empowering Others 5678 Hi there and welcome to another session of The Dancepreneuring Studio Session 55 My name is Annette Bone, and the Dance Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. Every other week, I get the privilege of bringing you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance as they share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. It is a beautiful day in Southern California. I know I talk about the weather a lot, right? <laughs> this is this is about the extent of the small talk that I like. If uh, if you've been listening for a little while, and if you know me, you know I do not like small talk and surface conversation. But <laughs> I always seem to talk about the weather on these intros. But anyway, I just so appreciate when it's nice out, especially since I think it was last week or the week before where it was just so windy and just way too windy. I don't mind the wind so much like when I'm in Hawaii. The last time I was in Hawaii, the wind was, it was really pretty intense, but it was warm. So I didn't mind it so much. But here it's a little bit different. And I know other parts of the country are getting snowed in. So I guess I shouldn't complain too much, right? (laughs) Anyway, going on to our session this week in our step to success segment, what are you afraid of? In our Dancer's Dialect segment, Stacking versus Packing. In our Freestyle Flow segment, Ballet and Snowboarding. And in our feature presentation, Leaving a Legacy While Empowering Others. My interview with Kaba Modern creator, president of Culture Shock, and from the Kinjas,
1: Arnel Calvario. Let's go. Hi, everyone. This is Arnel Calvario from Kinjas, founder of Cabo Modern and president of Culture Shock LA and Culture Shock International. And you're listening to another session of the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success.
0: A step to your success is anything that moves your life and your business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea – you can apply something today that will help you succeed. Today's Step to Success is a book I recently read called Art and Fear, Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making* by David Bales. It was recommended to me by my dance trainer, and this book would have come in so handy many years ago. This book talks about how art gets made, why it doesn't get made, whether it's out of fear or something else, and the difficulties that artists go through in the creative process. I definitely resonated with this book, and I was very encouraged by it. Art, whether it's dance or something else, takes consistent and persistent action. And not everything you create will just magically happen. But in the process of the consistent and persistent action, going through the frustrations, questioning things, and not seeing things go very smoothly, something wonderful can still be created. And now, Life and Business Connect with the Dancer's Dialect. The Dancer's Dialect is the dancer's language. I share dance terminology and concepts across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. There are times when I'm taking dance classes that I feel so excited about concepts that I'm learning and experiencing because of the results of the effort that I put in. And the most recent ballet classes I took were so fulfilling because first and foremost, of course, I'm grateful for the opportunity to take class and learn. But secondly, when I can take a correction and apply it and see the manifestation of it, it is so gratifying. At the bar, when we were balancing in passe, the teacher was talking about the difference between stacking your body, your muscles, and aligning yourself so that everything does align versus muscling your way through the different movements and the technical steps. She referred to younger dancers that she works with, advising them that if they can be aware and know how to stack their body and use what they have, then they don't have to use muscular strength to get the movements. And then she contrasted that with using Misty Copeland as an example, who – is built so that she uses muscles for her dancing. She muscles her she she's actually said she muscles her way through her dancing. You can do both, but she was emphasizing what I call effort economy, meaning you use the effort necessary for execution and you don't expend unnecessary energy. Stacking versus packing is what I call it.
1: And now anything goes with freestyle flow. What's on your mind today, Annette? What does
0: snowboarding have to do with ballet? Nothing until I caught a segment of the X Games and there was an interview with, oh, I hope I say his name correctly. And if I butcher it, I apologize. I think it's pronounced Iori Podlatchikov. And I'll just link it in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 055. He is a multiple X Games medalist in snowboarding. And he was talking about what he could do in the off-season to improve his snowboarding. And guess what he said? He took up ballet. He wanted a less aggressive approach that he could apply to his snowboarding. He wanted to make his snowboarding more interesting and develop a quality of ease, which he thought ballet would help him with. So he brought beauty into snowboarding. Who knew?
1: Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation.
0: You know those people who walk into the room? They walk into a room and they just light up the room. They exude love, positivity, and all good things. That is totally my next guess. I discovered him about two years ago when I went to a dance showcase at Boogie Zone Utopia, and I knew I was at the right place at the right time because, first, I got confirmation that I had been away from the dance scene way too long. And secondly, I so resonated with what he said about art and dance being for the community. My featured guest today, I'm so thrilled to have him, is Arnel Calvario, Dr. Arnel Calvario, actually. He's also an occupational therapist. He's the founder of Kaba Modern, which was made famous by America's Best Dance Crew. Um, he's also part of Kinjas. He's worked with Fanny Pack and the Beat Freaks, which are two other crews that I absolutely love. He is also the president of Culture Shock LA and Culture Shock International, and he's been all over the world teaching, judging various dance competitions, and he's obviously a very influential figure in the California dance scene. He's all about promoting community, positivity, and artistic expression. His signature roots before Branch's masterclass on the history of hip hop is a must take class for anyone that takes dance. Arnell, are you ready to go? Yes. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much for joining me i'm you know I've been wanting to do this for such a long time to have this conversation and just to pick your brain about all the cool things that you do and your just your influence in the dance community I think is just remarkable. I found it hard to believe that you were a shy kid with self esteem issues and dance helped with that, but would you say anything else helped with overcoming your shyness
1: um I think definitely it was um Well, it definitely required like someone to believe in me because I um, was such a fan and admirer of hip hop dance culture. I mean, I would just watch my cousins as older poppers and um, my older cousins as poppers and I would see lockers and b-boys and b-girls just sessioning out, whether it's in the park or at school, but I never really felt cool enough to do it. So, <laughs> so I was shy, you know, and I, I'm the oldest of my siblings. So I, I always felt like, you know, uh, a role model for them, but I never really had an older brother or older sister. So it wasn't really till junior high that, you know, someone noticed me and said, Hey, you can dance. And I started like, you know, um, exploring a little bit at the school dances. And then in high school is when I finally brought, um, had enough gusto to kind of put a crew together and that was my beginnings of choreography and um, that was like kind of like that in between time where um, locking breaking and popping although I was a fan of those art forms were now being deemed old school and the new school of like party dancing was very very you know really rampant and uh, very popular so everybody was into that but I was a fan of of all of it. So, um, even in the beginnings when I was choreographing, I would kind of incorporate a little bit of both.
0: What was your, at that time, do you remember what was the process of your choreography? How did you, did moves just come to you based on your influences and what you liked, or did you have a structure when you choreographed?
1: Um, for me, it was always, it always began with the song and that's actually still now, you know, Um, There's just a song that I'm just drawn to, whether it's the beat or the bass lines, you know, or the breaks um, or the horns, you know, it, it like spoke to me. And I think when I have that, I usually start with just moving and freestyling first to kind of catch little beats. And sometimes little sections in music will just spark choreography easily. And I'll usually like find that spot and then build from there. So that's that's kind of how I do it. But once I start building, I, I'm very methodical, like at least my style. Because first I freestyle explore, and then I find that like sweet spot in the music, and then I write notes.
0: Ah, so, okay. So I'll you do write. have your process.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it everything begins first with like freestyling and feeling the music and listening, listening to the little textures and finding that really that sweet spot in the music to kind of drive everything. I think um, that's why it's hard for me when I'm just assigned a piece of music that I don't necessarily feel uh, because when I have that, then I have to just, it, it's pre- purely structured. <laughs> you know, and I have to kind of <laughs> Find inspiration versus when I pick my own song it's it's just very organic and a lot easier you know,
0: so. what kind of music inspires you? Are you drawn to a certain genre or do you like to experiment with all different types of music when it comes to your choreography?
1: The interesting thing is that I actually am a fan of so many genres of music, so growing up i I love you know the breaks and I love funk music and I love everything electronic like electronic funk back in the day um and then I completely fell in love with R&B and the whole pop music and I also love new wave and um dirty south so it's kind mm. of and then um so I was just a fan of music in general and so my choreography would range from pop music to to underground you know beats and stuff it's it's more of, um just what really captures my attention and also music obviously is we relate to music according to our emotions so if i was feeling like really bummed out i'm drawn more to that kind of expressive music and then you know when i'm feeling really hype i really like party dance music and strong beats and whatnot so i feel like just like dance is an expression of our soul um, music you know helps us you know create that bridge so
0: Speaking of bridges, you had said that it wasn't an either or when it came to pursuing dance and occupational therapy. And I would imagine that you have dancers and people coming to you for advice on things like this. How are you balancing that now currently with um, both careers and both um, you know, areas in your life?
1: Yeah, it was an interesting thing because actually I was... Um... I actually grew up doing cultural dancing, Filipino cultural dancing at the same time as I being an avid fan of like urban and hip hop dance. Um, so my parents always encouraged me to be an artist, but not as a career. (laughs) Like they, they were very, uh, clear that, you know, they wanted me to have a career in, you know, in the medical field or a lawyer or engineer or whatnot, like the traditional careers that's expected of someone. Um, but I always felt like um I couldn't do that by itself, you know, and so it started off as an outlet, you know as a as a a thing, but that outlet became a passion, and so um it was it wasn't until college when I started Kaba Modern that um that really blew up, and it started to really solidify within myself, and I saw myself not just as a fan of dance but as an actual dancer you know, um, uh, an artist. And so during my college career, I kind of had decided already that I was probably meant to, um, I was born to be a dancer and a health health professional. So I kind of identified that within myself in college. Um, because I don't think I could do one exclusive of the other. Like, I don't think I could have done dance without my passion for you know, helping people through health sciences, because health science is also another thing that I loved, you know. Um, at the same time, I don't think I could do all my courses, my science and psychology courses, like, without having an outlet for the things I was going through in life, you know, I, and our, I, I was an artist to the core, because I have a both left and right side brain <laughs> <laughs> inclinations, you know. So it's just who I am, and I, I had to explain that to my parents in college when I was becoming more active with Kabbalah Modern, and and especially around that, I was a part of Kabbalah Modern when all of the dance competitions began. You know, like my roommate created Vibe, and you know, my closest friend created Body Rock. So it, it was, um, it and it never went away. So my parents were very concerned, um, but that's when I realized, you know, not. I think everyone's journey is extraordinary, and um, we excel and succeed when we truly are our, our authentic self. Um, I think when we try to fit into a box that's expected of us, um, we're only a shell of who we are, and we're, never, we're, not, as, we're not happy physically or emotionally. Um, it's when we embrace exactly who we are, and we think outside of the box and be okay with that. Um, and actually like really thrive. That's when we begin to thrive, not just survive.
0: Oh, that is, that was beautifully said. And I could not agree with you more on that, especially like we were talking about earlier before we started recording about uh, getting back into the dance world and just, um, just rediscovering new things about it. and, And we both agree dance is such a beautiful outlet for so many things. I mean, it's just, it's limitless, you know, as you, as you know, you being in the industry for so long. I love how you represent leaving a legacy in dance and not just about, oh, I was in this video or I earned this much money doing this job or whatever. And I always say that dance is more than just movement and there's so much you can do with it. Can you go into this um, from three different viewpoints if that is necessary, as if you were advising the dancer, the choreographer and the teacher, or would you say the same thing to all three?
1: Okay, um, let's see, so... Yes, I feel like a a dancer, um, there's more avenues now than what was kind of known and and accepted in the past of what a dancer can be, you know, Um, because a dancer in the past was viewed as somebody that was just a backup dancer or, you know, um, or you hit Broadway, you know, Um, whereas now, I mean, we have community dancers, (laughs) we have dance educators uh, people who are in the dance just to just to teach, you know that they that's their passion. They want to travel the world and teach, or they want to, um, you know, plant themselves in the studio and and build a following and teach there. You know, build a community. Um, and then we also have people who do this the, the standard industry, which is amazing, you know. Um, and then in addition to that, we have pe- the battle scene, the the jams where uh, people travel the world um, battling in the different art forms. And that's brilliant as well and, and can be lucrative also, you know. Um, and most dancers these days are a combination of one or more of those things, you know. Um, you know whether, you know, they're, it's just earning money for their livelihood and then also having an avenue to express or to connect. Um, and there used to be a very big separation between the community dancer and the industry dancer, um, it's now becoming where the community dancer can also be the industry dancer, and, and vice versa. I mean, it's um, people can dance in dance teams in our community, but also be booking tours and traveling the world. And also, we have people who are traveling the world teaching, uh, but they also belong to a, a community dance company or lead one. So um, it's in, the opportunities as much. Grander now, and because of YouTube and social media, um, we're more connected. Um, but what's also the danger of that? It's also originality, <laughs> you know, and uh, keeping things really, really fresh, you know. Because there's so much exposure, it's almost overexposure, and so it's hard. It's harder to grab someone and s- grab and sustain someone people's attention. It takes a lot more work. It's a different animal now, um, but. I feel um, that there is a big difference, like you said, between booking things, gig to gig, or performing things, performance to performance, or competing for that trophy. Um, I think those are like um, nice little bookmarks in our journey, uh, nice little moments. But what's really long-lasting is the legacy. It's how you how do you make people feel if you're a performer. Um, Are you inspiring people with a message? Are you connecting to people's souls? You know, are you telling a story that needs to be told? Um, Or, you know, if you're for the community, are you encouraging people? Are you empowering others so that you are not only just um, giving them, you know, eight counts, but you're actually giving them encouragement, information they can use that they can spread and share And, you know, building the dance as an art form versus just a little piece of entertainment, you know, I feel longevity is built on that education and that enrichment. And for me, you know, my legacy, um, I'm less about my legacy being about amazing performances. I'm more, I would be more concerned about uh, my legacy being that I made a difference in people's lives and it just happened to be through dance. Um, that people felt empowered or validated or uh, encouraged. Uh, and I, I, I would hope that that would be my legacy, you know, and that Kinjas and Culture Shock and Kaba Modern will just be um, vehicles um, to make that happen.
0: So. Oh, yeah, it's a great vehicle. Dance is such a great vehicle to do that, like you said. And do you find that that's harder to communicate and translate in the competition world since you judge so many different competitions?
1: Yeah, that's why I really spend a lot of time writing things into those judges' sheets because I feel like it's that moment with their zest for the trophy. (laughs) It's also an opportunity, a window of opportunity to share words, you know, um, to help them grow as artists and also as people, you know. So um, it also creates a bridge for them to talk to me after a competition as they ask for critiques or encouragement or advice I can plant seeds on like the energy I got from your stage energy that I see now you know I I can kind of talk about that and encourage them so that they can grow not only as dancers and artists but as leaders and people Um, so it's harder it's harder uh, for competitions and it's harder for industry gigs because it's so fast-paced and it's from one to the next and you know you have one competition with tw- you know fifteen videos, and they're like all watched and viewed for maybe two weeks and then it's on to the next <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um so I feel like um it's tough, but it's not impossible you know they they're all like add up if it's done with the right intention um but there's no replacement for like um uh, face to face personal because the, there's an energy exchange there that's just um you know, hard to replace anywhere through media or anything else.
0: That is so true. That is that I I couldn't agree more with that. I remember back when culture shock just started, I wasn't very familiar with the organization because I, I was just getting out of dance at the time. And I had a few friends that were actually a part of it. And now you guys are all over the world. And what has been the best part and the most challenging part about being involved um, in culture shock and, and you know as much as you have and and you know being the president, and can you share some best practices as to what has contributed to its longevity?
1: I think what has been what um what has contributed to longevity is the unwavering dedication and of selfless leaders. Um, I feel like um, each of the cities that are still currently um, thriving and growing today um, are because it, they had a circle of um committed dedicated uh leaders who have grown into good communicators and um it takes definitely a, a certain amount of selflessness in order to really cultivate uh a team of amazing dancers that will carry on your legacy forward uh and we have that our founder Angie Bunch is still involved and you know she's she started it in San Diego Um, and now she's transitioning to just the international, um, board, um, to, to be able to grow the organization. And for myself, you know, I, I started out training with San Diego. So by her being active and teaching and talking to the dancers and empowering all of us, she had no idea that she empowered me, you know, after my Cabo Modern days to, to audition for LA and from LA now to be the president and now the international president, um, those were all ripple effects of dedicated leaders who made the extra effort to see their students as people, not just as numbers coming through, um, not as just as dollar signs coming through a space, but as a uh, really cultivated a community. And all of us that used to take those classes are now the leaders of the different cities because um, DC's leader trained in that same space. Uh, same thing with Chicago. I mean, it's like, we're all, we're all um, transplants from different areas who believe in the same vision of using dance to do something beyond yourself. Um, but in them, and, and it's interesting, although it's an outreach organization, you know we pride ourselves in artistry because we, we have to inspire in order to to reach, you know so um, yeah, I'm really, really grateful, especially Colchak, LA right now. We're very blessed with good-hearted hardworking, selfless pe- artists who um, just happen to be brilliant dancers, you know. And we've filtered out a lot, you know. As it took years and years of figuring out what energy we wanted and what was most important. And we've had to turn away in recent years some amazing talent to protect the energy so that our energy is very strong, it's very unified, it's very... Everyone's on the same page, although we're different people. We, we all are on the same page. Um, so when you have that, your reach can be a lot more rich um, and you can make uh, more powerful um, ripples. So it's been we're, we're in a sweet spot right now. Um, the challenge is, although we have a plethora of amazing dancers, it's, it's um, having the resources to kind of to grow. You know the, the financial resources because, like with CoachCheck LA, we we do in school and after school programs, and the districts have just cut funding so much that we have to literally save those programs with grants. And our instructors, you know, we pay them, um, but in order to like for them to make it a career, we we need to grow the funding more so that um, although they would love to do it for free or do it for like you know twenty five dollars an hour or whatnot it's they can't live off of that and so they have to take other jobs they do have to do other things but they're the best people you know they're the best people they're the ones who care so um, the challenge is for us to raise enough money so that the people who care can do their job and make a difference and so that's where we're at right now just you know um, applying for grants doing fundraisers you know garnering support from the community and uh, expose uh, expanding our visibility so um, hopefully we'll also have a space. You know, San Diego has a space. Uh, right now we're, we're very, very, very fortunate to um, be um, under the roof of uh, Boogie Zone Utopia um, who also are in line with our vision of um, community and, and building up and uh, supporting the community. So they've been very um, supportive with letting us use their space. But I feel like our programs will eventually need a space of its own, you know, probably in another community that needs us, you know. Um, so hopefully that's where we'll be uh, within the next five years.
0: Yeah, I, I'm excited to see all of that transpired. And you guys are doing such great things that, it, you know, it's really needed. Everything that you guys do is so needed. And there's so many kids out there that need the mentorship as well as the dance together. And it's, I think it's just such a great combination to, to have that, you know. Um, there's, an Indiegogo campaign that you're also speaking of funding and things like that um, with the Kinjas that by the time this comes out, it'll probably be over. But I think it's important to bring up because um, I see it coming to fruition. I see the good things that you guys are doing. And do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with that?
1: Yeah, um, the Kinjas actually, um, we've had a really blessed year this past year with um, I mean, we were on America's Best Dance Crew, um, but beyond that, it's just the Brotherhood has really gelled and um, really, like, organized itself to be able to propel itself into its next phase. And um, we're actually opening up a studio in um, Montebello. (laughs) So we're going to be in that area. And we started an Indiegogo uh, uh, campaign for $100,000 to kind of just get us going. Um, we we're very fortunate to have um, amazing supporters. Um, we have six days left right now as we're recording this, um, but we're already at eighty six thousand. So I'm I'm confident we'll meet it. And if not, just the support has just really um, set us on a trajectory to really do good things. Um, the kinjas really are selected. They are some of the most talented. A collective of some of the most talented dancers in our community, but they're they're all positive minded like they were all individually carefully selected because there is no audition process for kinjas um it's more about a vibe uh, uh, a philosophy um uh, a positive energy that just has to naturally exist for us to invite you into the brotherhood <laughs> so um So yeah, we're, we're blessed. We're excited. Um, just obviously has so much overlap with culture shock LA. So both organizations will be helping each other, um, you know, meet the needs and hopefully inspire the world as much as it can. So,
0: yeah, it's going to be exciting to see that all come together. And that's why I thought it was important to bring up because it's going to happen anyway. Why did you guys pick Montebello?
1: Oh yeah. Monterey park. It's like right in between Montebello and Monterey park. It's because, um, There's, uh, one, it's close to where the founders live. (laughs) 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 And so, um, after looking at so many spaces in East LA and, um, even Anaheim, we were kind of exploring different. Um, they realized that there's so many schools, right? Schools and community needs in that area. And there's really no um, other studios in that particular area. And, um, It's interesting because, um, Monterey park is so, so Asian, (laughs) (laughs) but I think Montebello is very Latino and, and then downtown LA is only 15 minutes away and that's completely diverse. So we were thinking we could really right there in the middle, makes really, some really big impact. So, um, and there's really good food areas near there too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's important, especially after you have long rehearsals and dance and you just want to eat, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And we wanted to definitely like plant ourselves in a place that is close enough to any industry contacts that want to work with us, but in an area of need, you know, where there's actually a community need. So we can kind of bridge both um, both kinds of uh, needs, whether like, you know, artists want to hire us for whatnot or use our space. We can be close enough to be available for that, but at the same time we can more so really do our community programming uh in an area that this, that has it's not being met right now um so uh it's it's kind of a a big venture for us this next year um but we're ready, and we have an amazing team in place to um be able to run it, cultivate it, and grow it and um so we'll see you know it's gonna be very different too, just the feel of it and you know it it will have the discipline of what we know from martial arts but the fun nature and um, hospitality and positive energy that we want every person to feel when they walk into the building Uh, we don't want to we purposely did not want to go and try to be another north hollywood studio it's saturated there we're not really trying to compete and uh and you know Go into a community that's already being served. We're more about what's a community that hasn't been served and, um, you know, how can we kind of do something very, very different? So
0: that's very exciting. I know it's going to be an awesome place. I'm looking forward to seeing it all come together. I absolutely loved taking your Roots Before Branches class. Can you go into that? I think the listeners need to hear about. How important it is to study history and to see where you know things come from. I think it enriches your learning and your experience of when you continue to take classes and study different. I mean, it could be dance or anything else. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? The importance of that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I I believe in being a lifelong learner. So no matter you know how on top of your craft you may feel or you may be, um, there's always room for growth and in order to really like represent an art form where, well, you know, or any kind of craft, whether it's um, like ballet, ballet dancers know the name of their foundational moves. You know, that's why it's considered an art form. I feel like we need to apply that to all the urban and hip hop dance forms as well. Um, if you're doing locking or breaking or crump, um, that's awesome. You know, take it to that new level, you know, do choreography, but in order to like really preserve it and to really gain the respect, you know, universally, we need to know that we need to know the history behind those art forms, the essence, the spirit, why was it created? Who created it? Because when we know those details, we really know our craft and it becomes more than movement. It becomes a dance that's part of a social movement. And, um, I feel like the, the downfall of hip hop dance in the past when it really went underground was because there was a lack of people who had the voice, you know, explaining that these are art forms. And so they were easily discarded as a fad and they came back around. We're, we're at a place now where dance is big, but it can easily, we can go into the next thing where people are just into music and dance goes, fades back into the background. But that won't happen if we know what our art is, that we can actually vocalize that, oh, you know what, I do lock-in, and uh, lock-in was created here. It's an art form for this, and that's why it fits my soul, and that's why it could relate to you. Um, We become better educators. We become more informed artists, and when people also don't understand or they doubt why we dance, we can explain. Um, But we have to have that knowledge, and that's why I teach the Roots Before Branches, because more important than Choreography, I really want people to know the history and the meaning um, because in, in my opinion, choreography is just movement. Um, movement becomes dance when it has meaning and purpose and so I really feel that it's important for us to really take the time to not just know the moves but know our spirit what's the approach you know why was this art form even why am I liking this art form It's because probably you're connecting to someone else, the creators of this art form, why they create it. You're connecting to it. Your spirit connects to it. And so if you know that, you can not only represent it, but you can evolve it.
0: The next set of questions, they're what I call the dance printer and quick steps. So you just have to tell me what you think of right away. And so we'll go through these really quickly. Are you ready, (laughs) Arnell?
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: Okay. (laughs) Dance style that you haven't tried but would like to and why?
1: House I'm really interested in house i'm scared of it, but um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have started I go to open house I started to just delve into take some steps into open house on wednesdays so um i house is because it even in its creation, it was meant to be an art form that was free, and my spirit at this point in my life feels very uh grateful but also very free
0: that's a great I thought you did house already I thought you did everything
1: <laughs> um I, I know little foundations but it's not to the point where i can freestyle and be confident i i just know a little bit um but i'm trying to expand uh, my vocabulary and confidence yeah
0: cool <laughs> favorite dancer and why
1: favorite dancer oh my god there's so many i know
0: uh, <laughs> how about a male and female like pick one male and pick one female
1: female is reno Nakasone.
0: oh gosh she's uh, fantastic yeah
1: she's one of my bead freak girls family um I like her because she dances very big. Um, She can be feminine or masculine. Um, She's trained in so many styles that her movement has so much texture and realness to it. And um, she's just beautiful to watch. Anyone that watches her, dancer or non-dancer, just she, your eyes are glued to her. And she's a beautiful person. And I think when you have a beautiful soul that also comes out through your dance. Oh, for sure, yes.
0: So how about male dancer? Can you pick one? (laughs) Oh,
1: man. I know. Uh, You know what? I would actually have to say – are you going to ask me choreographer later? No.
0: No. Okay. (laughs) But you can tell me choreographer. I'd like to know. (laughs)
1: um, I'm going to say actually my kinja brother, Ving. Ving. uh, uh, Because I love the way he dances, but also his choreography to me is just so – it's just so amazing. Um, he knows I'm a big fan of his stuff and he's a, such a good person too that you can't you can't hate on anything he does. You can't hate him for being so amazing because he's so nice too. Oh
0: gosh. That's <laughs> but, what a great combo. It's I think that's what's so cool is when you find um artists that are just as beautiful as their art. And like you said, I think it comes through just fantastically it just it adds that other dimension and that dynamic and you completely feel the soul of the person so you know I could go on about that it's just I get so like gushy when it comes to that kind of stuff um what dance style currently describes your day and why um
1: I would say um lock-in <laughs> which is <laughs> the one that I teach uh, it's it took me a long time to find it and know that it's, it's part of my soul, but it is because lock about empowerment and celebration. And that's just who I feel like I am right now. You know, that's ha- what awesome. I feel like I try to do every day is empower and be grateful.
0: Yes. Yes. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: I'm very active on Facebook. Um, That's where I do not only like posting pictures, but I like to write and um, encourage. So that's where I put my inspirational stuff. Um, Pictures-wise, I'm very active on Instagram. Both of them are just Arnell Calvario. There's no um, special name. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I'm on Twitter every once in a while, but those two are my main handles. Uh, Website-wise, you could find me at dot cultureshockla.org or CaboModern.com. Those are my three dance families that I'm active with right now.
0: That's awesome. Arnell. this has been wonderful. I'm so honored that you agreed to do this interview. I'm so excited to release it. And thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Annette. Love you. And I appreciate that um, this is a platform for people to connect and you know inspire and be inspired. So thank you.
0: to think that leaving a legacy only referred to leaving some sort of financial provision for your loved ones and for people that were close to you. And as I've gotten older, of course, I know it's a lot more than that. And I'm so thankful that Arnell talked about that in terms of dance and empowering other people. And so my question to you is, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? I would love to get your feedback and you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash zero five five where you can also find the show notes to this session and if you found this podcast helpful and if you've listened to any of the other sessions and you found them them helpful i would really appreciate if you went to itunes or stitcher radio and rate review and subscribe to the podcast and that way i can continue getting the word out and help more people and i'd love to give you a shout out on a future session of the dancepreneuring studio Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon.
1: Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com, all rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.